Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders! Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio after a day away. Had a really good time on Monday at the Michelob Ultra Arena for LV Aces, their media day as their season gets underway on Friday. Very excited about the the beginning of their season and their first home game that you can hear on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, is actually on Mother's Day on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot of LV Aces. Of course, Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, owns the Aces as well. So we make sure that we take care of our family members around here on Raider Nation Radio 920. But we're back in the home studio. Have a good show lined up for you today. Some really good guests to get to on today's show. And, of course, a lot of good conversation to get to as well. And it's funny, there was a piece of information that rolled out a little, a little while ago, probably maybe maybe about an hour ago that I saw that kind of is going to go with my show topic that I have today, and I didn't do it on purpose. Not at all. It just kind of goes with the theme of the draft and what the Raiders were able to get in the draft and what they didn't get in the draft, and then what I saw roll out about an hour ago, like I said, it kind of all ties together. So uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes and we get into the opening drive. But before we do that, I definitely want to let you know the guest that we have coming up on the show today, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. He does a great job of breaking down film all the time. And he put out a piece about 10 guys that he felt were scheme fits, were the best scheme fits in the entire NFL draft that he was looking at, that he was paying attention to, that he thought, okay, these guys are going to be good players because they fit with what the coaching staff wants to do. And this is how they do it. And one of the guys, matter of fact, Number 10 was Dylan Parham, the offensive lineman from Memphis, the Raiders' third-round draft pick. And so uh, we'll get Ted on at 2.30 to talk about uh, the whole piece that he put out in The Athletic, which I thought was great, but also talk about Dylan Parham, how he's going to be a scheme fit for what Josh McDaniels wants to do uh, offensively and what they want to do on that offensive line. And I'll tell you this, Raider Nation, as I've been doing more and more research on, on Dylan Parham, I'm not going to be a guy that comes in here and acts like I'm some expert on Memphis football and that I've been watching Memphis football forever. I'm not going to do that. Never going to do that to you. Never going to blow smoke up your backside. That's just not my style. But I do know how to do research. I do know how to reach out to people that have been there, done that, and have covered the guy and, and know what his strengths and what his weaknesses are. Everything that I'm hearing from people, and this is just what I'm hearing, and obviously it's only May 3rd, so nothing really matters right now. They're not in training camp. They're not at mandatory mini camp. They're not at uh, you know rookie mini camp. They're not doing any of that right now. None of that matters until they get into training camp. They get in the preseason. They figure out what pieces go where. Everything I keep hearing about this young man, there's a good chance he might be a center. I know he plays center. He plays guard. There's some folks that thought maybe he could have some tackle. Well, no, he's going to be an inside. But everything that I keep hearing and from everyone that I'm talking to, they all think that he's got a future at center. I'll just leave that out there because we all know who was the center last year for the Raiders, and that was Andre James. We all know that the last regime gave Andre James a nice little contract extension to be the starting center. What I do know is anything and everything that the old regime did doesn't matter to the new regime. Damon, I heard you saying it uh, yesterday with uh, Vinny on In the Huddle. It don't matter what the new regime did. It's when a new boss comes in. It's like, okay, everything's a clean slate. 
What the new boss thinks is all that matters. Exactly. And then because I also think that he feels that Andre James, like he's got the position on lock. There are only about, Nobody has any position on lock, in my opinion. There are only about five guys that right. you can take. Colton Miller. Right. Crosby and Jones. Yep. Carr. And Derek Carr. Right. And Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, 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 yeah. yeah. Hunter Renfro, you know, guys like that, yeah. The obvious is. Yes. Right. But outside of that, the offensive line, Raider Nation, I'll tell you right now, all four of them cats have got to work. From the left guard to the center to the right guard and the right tackle, all those guys got their work cut out for them. And I'll even take it a step further. I don't mean Colt Miller can slide into camp and just chill. (laughs) I got my spot. I'm good. I don't mean that. He's still going to have to work his tail off. But we all have a good feeling he's going to be the left tackle moving forward. He's earned that, right? Yeah, you ain't got to be an all-pro, but some people, right. at you the starter. Right, exactly. So we kind of all know that Colton Miller is going to be that dude. Outside of that, we don't know. So I would not be shocked at all if we're talking about when the 53-man roster gets released, and we all know that we're so far away from that, that we're talking about Parham as a, as a, as a potential center. Just saying. Not saying he's going to be starting day one. You know, it's a third-round pick for a reason. If he was, you know, 100% polished and he was ready to rock and roll and be that guy, well, he'd probably been a first-round pick. He was a third-round pick for a reason, so I'm not trying to come in here and say that this dude's about to be a Hall of Famer, give him a gold jacket, none of that stuff. Again, not blowing smoke up your backside, just my observations. So we'll talk to Ted coming up at 2.30, get his thoughts, talk about why he believes he's such a good scheme fit, and go from there, of course. At 3 o'clock, John McClain, my buddy from the Houston Chronicle, is going to join the show. And I've said it many times. People on Twitter hit me up multiple times. I said on the show on Monday, I'm not a guy that really buys into grades. We had Ed Graney on from the RJ and also ESPN Las Vegas. He said he doesn't grade draft picks. It's so hard to to grade them. You could go out and say, oh, man, this team got an A. This team got an F. This team did this, that, and the other. But really, until we actually see what they do on the field, we don't have any idea. It's just like we do the mock drafts. You know, we thought two quarterbacks at least were going to go in round one. There was one that went between two rounds. You didn't see your second quarterback go off the, off the board until round three. So, I mean, we're going with our, 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 our best guess. And, and as I said on Monday, if I had to put a grade on what I thought the Raiders did, I would just say B. I feel like that they got solid players. And that's it. But until those solid players actually go out there and do something – and put those pads and and that helmet on and actually put some work in, they're only solid on paper. They're not solid on the field until we see something. Just kind of think that, oh, yeah, okay, these are good. So, you know, it's hard. I can look at the Jets, for example, and say, man, they knocked it out the park. They got Sauce Gardner. They got Garrett Wilson. They got uh, uh, Johnson, the uh, the edge rusher out of Florida State in the first round. Oh, man, that's an A. But until those cats go out there and participate, and that's even Sauce. Everyone knows I'm a big Sauce fan. But that don't mean that he's going to go out there and just light the world on fire. I'm not saying Deion Sanders is walking through the door. I mean, that he he could have all the success he wants in Cincinnati. He's still got to go prove it. Yeah, but it's also where people, I know that we got to create content. And the grades are just the projections because right. you wouldn't want to see a team that that's kind of an overdraft at that position. Right. Why would you do that? Or fit or best player available. So those are the things that I think that the grades, they do have a point besides mm-hmm. just for people, hey, you got to make some content. Good, no, it's a good opinion. It's a good opinion. Yeah. You know, and, and I respect and I respect the opinion. Well, the reason I talk about this is because John McClain, in his opinion, he put that the Raiders got a D plus in the in the draft. And from what I read, because I actually read it on the Houston Chronicle, <laughs> what I read 
to me, and this is not him answering, this is just me answering, trying to read between the lines, I feel like because the Raiders didn't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick is why he graded them low. Because if you look at other teams, like I looked at Denver, and he gave them a C- minus or a C plus, one of the two. And the, the reason, what, one, one of the main reasons was, well, they didn't have a first-round pick because they traded for Russell Wilson. So I was getting a theme. If you didn't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick, you were going to get docked. Whether that's fair or not, it's just one man's opinion. But a lot of people have been hitting me up. I had someone actually hit me and was like, I know you ain't going to say nothing to him because you respect him. <laughs> well, why wouldn't I say something? If I respect him, why wouldn't I say something to him? I, I, I respect him enough to ask. Really trying to put the ball in your court. Yeah, you, like, you, better, you better put some heat on your boy, man. I know that's your guy, but you better, you better tell him what's up, Q. I'll ask him, <laughs> and he'll tell us. As you very well know, from the year we've been doing this with John McClain, he'll tell us what his opinion was. Yeah, he's not short on that. At all. He's got plenty of opinions. Hell, he's been talking bad about the Texans for years on top of years on top of years. They just put him on the Wall of Fame in the in the, uh, in the NRG Stadium. Basically named the Wall of Fame after him. Exactly. So believe me, being honest is not a problem. And that's one thing that I, I'll just go ahead and, t- and take a, a slight right turn real quick. You're not going to get no homerism from us either. If I see something that I think stinks, I'm going to say it stinks. Regardless if it's the Raiders or another team. That's just what it is. So if I don't think that, oh, I think they did really bad. I'll say they did really bad. I don't care. Because you should want someone's honest opinion instead of bubblegum and, and rainbows and puppy dogs. Not going to get that. You ain't going to get that from me. You ain't going to get that from Devon. I don't expect anyone here on Raider Nation Radio 920 to give you that. Because yeah. I'll say it right now. I think that two running backs in the draft, I don't know who you could have gotten in the seventh round at pick 250, but I think the two running backs is overkill because you see a guy like Charles Williams that you could have just brought in, not just saying him because I'm trying to be a homer for you right, and OB, right, I got you. but there's like plenty of running backs that... Oh, He's got to try out with the Steelers, right? Yes, he does. Yeah. But there are plenty of running backs that could have been brought in as an undrafted free agent as well if you wanted to make that point. No, that's a good point. And that might be a reason why John thinks that the Raiders got a D. I look at that running, that second running back that they got in round seven, and I'll tell you right now, I don't take a whole lot of anything from round seven, guys. Not that they're not worth the salt, because I know that they are, but... You know, the Raiders got two guys in round seven. They got an offensive lineman, and they got a running back. That running back, maybe he plays special teams. Maybe there's something, you know, really special about him. I don't know. Or maybe he's just a, a guy that they selected. And I only saw one player say this on Twitter over the weekend, but Calais Campbell was the one player that said, I would rather go undrafted than get picked in the seventh round. I know we mm-hmm. talked about that yeah, a little last yeah. week. Yep. And it was like, ah, finally, somebody that I can I'm no, a player no. that has that, that mindset. No, no, there's guys that say that, but a lot of people want to be – most more people than not really want to be drafted, and and I think that, like you said, when you when you made that statement about selecting your own opinion, you know, your own landing spot, that's 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 not a bad thing. But I think any young man that has the dream of playing in the NFL wants to get that phone call, wants to get their their name called by whoever's making the call. You know, hey, and so and so round pick so 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 the Raiders select. You know, I think that. More times than not. And I've had players that have gone undrafted that have said, no, I want to be drafted. Yeah. Calais Campbell didn't go undrafted. Oh, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's easy for a cat to say, <laughs> First I'd rather go pick. undrafted than go in the seventh round. Hey, dog, you didn't go undrafted. I, I did radio with Bart Scott. You know what Bart Scott did? He went undrafted. You know what Bart Scott wanted to do? Get drafted. <laughs> That's, yeah, the first round pick is saying that. I would rather. Yeah, right. it's easy for you to easy say that. Easy for you to say, dog. You weren't in the green room but 12 seconds. So, you know, it, it's, I, I know it's all a, a matter of opinion when it comes to uh, what's a better situation for the players. Some of those situations are a lot better, like you mentioned. If you get selected by a team with 
18 running backs in the room, you probably don't feel like you have a good chance to make that team. But if you go there with a team that only has two or three, and one's a little bit older, you feel pretty good about your chances. Yeah, like Britton Brown, like I, like you said, he's probably ecstatic that he got the phone call. Right. But coming into camp, I'm sure he's looking at he's the He's looking at the depth chart like, damn. Mm. Damn. Damn. Oh, damn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you got a, a former first-round pick? You got a couple cats from the Patriots? You got, oh, man, you got another Alabama cat? You got... Uh, oh, boy, got one just got drafted? A national champion? Oh, hell, where am I going to get in? I got to get in where I fit in. Yeah, that, again, that makes all the sense in the world. So we'll have John McClain uh, explain himself, not to mention just explain himself on the on the reason why he gave the Raiders a D, but just his overall feelings on the draft. The draft Vegas. I think the city of Las Vegas did a fantastic job. I think the draft will be back here sooner rather than later. I know Kansas City's next year. I think Detroit's after that. But please believe you're going to look up again. You're going to see the draft here because that's how great of a job Las Vegas did. Nashville did a fantastic job. When they had it there, I had a great time there in Nashville and it's not about me, but it's just, I could tell everyone had a great job there, a great time there. Las Vegas was fantastic as well. So that, those are a couple of destinations that they're going to get the, the draft more often than Real not. Real quick. One thing that someone told me that was opposed to Nashville, cause they went to both mm-hmm. is that uh, Nashville is an open container. So when you got a drink at a bar somewhere, you, have you to can it walk there. in and out of every place that you want with a drink in your hand. Oh, they did? Oh, well, someone said that Nashville. Yeah. I mean, you might have to stay in there. I don't think so because I, yeah. I walked into, who was that, Kid Rock's place? Okay. Right? And I can only say the Kid Rock's place because I think one of the parts of the name of the place I can't say on the radio or whatever was on the wall. Anyway, yeah. I, I ain't never been to Nashville. <laughs> My experience in Nashville was you could walk down that main street. Was it Broadway or is it? Yes. You can walk down it, and you can walk into Kid Rock's spot. You can order a drink, listen to some music. You can cross the street, go to DeMond's spot, order a drink, listen to some music. I experienced walking back and forth with drinks in my hand. I didn't I didn't know that I had to stay. Maybe I was just me doing wrong. It could have been. <laughs> it could have been. I wasn't working the whole time. <laughs> I went out there and had a good time. <laughs> All right? So I didn't work the whole time. I had a good time, too. So maybe it was just me. But, no, it was it was great seeing people on top of the roof. As the draft was going on, I mean that was it was it was great. They had more people than Vegas did. I'll say that. I think they had close to six hundred thousand. I'm seeing reports about three hundred thousand in Vegas. But either way you look at it, man, it was it was a great job by both cities. Those are right now, and I haven't been to every draft. Obviously, I've only been to a handful of them. Those are my favorite too. Philadelphia, that was cool. You know, they did the they did the draft at the stairs of the Rocky Steps. It's a movie. You got a statue for a movie. Whatever. Still real to them. Yeah, apparently. He inspired so many people. Man, he inspired some cats in Hollywood, man. <laughs> I can write a movie about myself yeah, being a hero, they made, too. they made him a damn hero in Philadelphia. You do realize he was a movie. 5'7", heavyweight champion of the world. That ain't never going to happen in real life. Man, hey, hey, you do the fight game, so you should know those kind of things. Not me. No, I don't I'm just, know. come on. Now, Q. I'm giving you a plug for your show. Yes, the fight game, 1230, the game. See? Every Thursday. See? If you want to listen. That's an alley-oop. Also, I, I just gave you a Jason Kidd. See, that's how I know you didn't play basketball. You didn't, oh even, re- my God. You didn't even recognize the assist. Oh, my I, God. I hit you with a dime, and you you let it go right out of bounds. Oh, no, you didn't at Everyone all. listening was like, oh, that was a great assist. No, it wasn't. And then and then DeMond just let that thing roll right out. No, it wasn't. Yeah, that was worse Create than. Create myself. You, you created nothing. Clear out. You created a turnover. Clear out. <laughs> you turned that ball over. Just get in the corner then. Just get in the corner, that and, was I, and, terrible. I, and I'll go to work. I'll that, operate. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get in the corner and let you operate. <laughs> that operation is going to be short. So John McClain <laughs> will join us at 3 o'clock to talk all things NFL. Then at 3.30, a 
Las Vegas Desert Dogs. We actually talked to the CEO last week from the newest uh, professional team here in Las Vegas, the lacrosse team. Well, uh, GM and head coach Sean Williams is going to join us at 3.30 just to talk about uh, the season, talk about the team, talk about everyone they're trying to uh, you know, put together and how they're putting it together. And, man, it must be pretty difficult to be a GM and a head coach at the same time, right? And I know Sean Williams is like a very famous, very uh, well-storied uh, box lacrosse player. Well, we're going to talk to him at 3.30 about the Las Vegas Desert Dogs and how he's trying to put this squad together. So that's going to come up at 3.30. But more importantly, Raider Nation, we're going to hear from you throughout the course of the show as well at 702-365-9200. 10 to win. Coming up at 2.30, John McClain at 3. And then Sean Williams, the head coach of the Las Vegas Desert Dogs, will join us at 3.30. With all that being said, let's go ahead and get into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So earlier today, I was actually sitting having lunch with the wife, and all of a sudden I was alerted to a tweet that Vic Tafer from The Athletic put out, and it was a tweet that was him quote-tweeting, uh, I think it was an Instagram picture that Trayvon Mullen, Raiders cornerback, had put out, and it basically was letting it be known that Trayvon Mullen was about to have surgery. And I just tweeted it and quote tweeted and said, injuries and surgeries are the name of the game when it comes to Trayvon Mullen. This is the guy that when he was drafted in the second round out of Clemson, I was super excited about him, fired up about him. And I do like what he does on the field. I think that he's a really good defensive back. I've seen some people on Twitter calling him elite. I'm not going to say all that because I don't think he has the availability to be elite. But it's just disappointing to see that he's going into some kind of surgery. And it didn't specify what surgery he was having. I don't know if it's a cleanup job or not, but it just reminds me of Trayvon Mullen, who Trayvon Mullen is, the fact that he is always And I say it all the time, your best ability is availability, and it's just unfortunate. He's one of those guys that I look at and think, man, he's got all the talent in the world, but he just can't stay out of the training room. He can't stay out of the, out of the, uh, out of the doctor's office. It's just one of those situations. And that's how it happens, man. This game is just how it is, man. I mean, guys... They get nicked up, they get banged up, and then all of a sudden it derails. I mean, think about how much time Trayvon Mullen missed last season. Remember he was on IR, short-term IR, and then he came back and what? He came back for a quick second and then was out again? I mean, it's just unfortunate for him. He just can't catch a a healthy break. I don't want to say he can't catch a break because he catches a lot of breaks. They're just bad breaks. So that's a little piece of news that I saw, a little unfortunate. But, hey, it's only May. So maybe it's just a small little cleanup procedure and he'll be back ready to rock and roll when time, you know, mandatory mini camp comes around. He'll be ready to go and he'll be in the books and he'll be the dude. But his injury history is one of the reasons why I continue to say that I thought that the Raiders needed to go and get a veteran cornerback. I always thought that they needed to go address that position because they're not 100% sure up at that position. Casey Hayward is not there anymore. He's now in the ATL. You know, and then you have Rocky Sin. Yes, he comes over from the Colts with the trade. He's on a one-year deal. He could prove to be somebody, and maybe they lock him up for a long-term deal. That's great. They brought in a couple other, you know, free agents that maybe could help fill that void. But I felt like they needed to bring in a guy that could be a dude, that you felt like could be a dude. Stephon Gilmore, he ends up going to the highest bidder. And then we saw, well, the Honey Badger is a safety, but you saw him. He went to the highest bidder as well, went to his hometown team, the Saints, on a three-year, $33 million deal with $18 million guaranteed. But, uh, good, getting back to the corner position, I just think that that's an area that needs to be addressed. I've talked about James Bradbury in, the, in New York. There's uh, reports out that he's going to get released or get traded. But the tweet and, and the, the account that keeps saying that he's going to get released or, or, or traded, I don't really take a whole lot of stock in. 
It's like that NFL rumors thing. Okay, yeah. But they put out, they also said the Honey Badger and Stephon Gilmore were both signing with the Raiders. They've said this, that. You know what I mean? Like, they're that account that just throws stuff against the wall and hope it sticks. Sometimes it does, and they're like, see, told you. Most times it doesn't. So I don't know if he's going to get released or get traded, but that's a guy that me personally, I would look at right now if I'm GM Dave Ziegler and I'm Camp Kelly and I'm Patrick Graham and say, if I'm Patrick Graham, I'm like, hey, dude, <laughs> hey, man. I know that cat. I know how to make him, you know, make him the best player he could be. I got a lot of history with that dude. Bring him in. What did he say? I just want players. That's a player. That's a guy that I think that the Raiders need to go ahead and and pay attention to and try to bring him in sometime uh, before camp to get everything going. I think that that would be a great addition. But that's just me. You know, they they have their plan of attack, what they're going to do within those walls of the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. It's great to hear from GM Dave Ziegler earlier today on JT The Brick Show. If you missed that, check out LVSportsNetwork.com. It will be up there, and, of course, Raiders.com as well. So that leads me into my question, the topic that I had. And, again, this wasn't planned around Trayvon Mullen. I didn't know that there was going to be a, a tweet and a picture of him in a doctor's office. I had no idea. It just happened that way. But my question is, with the draft officially in the books, is there an area of the team, a position of the team, that you still have concerns about. So obviously, for me, especially seeing the the Trayvon Mullen going under under the knife one way or the other, for me, it's cornerback. I know that they went and got offensive linemen. Great. I know they went and got defensive linemen. Great. Got running backs. You can get upset about it or not. Fine. I'm good with it. Best player available? Fine. I think this offseason is still a little incomplete if you don't have a cornerback. So that's that's where I'm going. That's where I'm riding. DBs win games. I know I say it all the time, but I mean it, Raider Nation. DBs win games. Eric Allen on our show on Friday. How many times did he say they need to increase the depth of the cornerback position? How many times did he said it? It's not he just said me. A lot, and he loved it when you said DBs win games, too. Because he know I ain't lying. <laughs> From one DB to another. One bad DB to a great DB. <laughs> oh, that story you told him was fantastic. <laughs> he said, no, you didn't, Q. No, you didn't. Yeah, 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 I failed. But I'm okay. I'm okay with failure. You know, because that's not what I'm supposed to specialize in. Now, if I come on the radio and I fail, then that's a, that's a problem. But I was okay to fail at being a DB. It's all right. I, I don't have to be great at everything. <laughs> but we'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line 69187. Keyword R&R. The draft's officially in the books. Free agency's just about a wrap. Is there an area of the team, a position or two, that you still are concerned about? Want to hear from you. Let's go out to uh, Juan the Smasher right here in the 702. Juan, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. What's up, Q? What's going on? Hey, man, I'm chilling. Man, that's right. Hey, man, I just want to thank the NFL for uh, bringing the draft to Vegas. Man, that was crazy. That, that was like, it was a good experience because i never been to nothing like that. And then to have my kids with me, but I tell you this, Q and Demond, I'm never bringing my kids to the draft again because they're 5 and 3, and boy, I got worn out. By the time 7 p.m. and I'm over here trying to look at the draft and trying to make sure no one steals my kids, and I was exhausted. You know what I'm saying? Right. Man, and then uh, to the draftees, I'm not Mel Kuyper Jr. I'm not him. I'm just saying, but, hey, if, if we get two running backs, Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs 2.0, baby Jacobs, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that running back. You know, I, I, I love running backs. I, I, I love seeing when, when these guys just run it into their mouth with the power eye, you know what I'm saying, just run through those foods. I like seeing that type of stuff. And the more running backs, why not? I'm done with that. And also, hey, come on. Don't even trip about Q roasting on you about your b-ball skills. Hey, it's all good. This guy's an old school cat. That's just how we are. You know what I'm saying? Kobe, Jordan, 
We got that mentality. Like that. Kobe, Kobe Jordan, Q. Oh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> hey. hey, now that was an assist. You see how I jumped on that real quick? That's how you jump on an assist, brother. The lies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I hey, know what hey, you're saying. Hey, just, just, hey, Demond, just shack these fools. You know what I'm saying? Just be like, get the ball and shack everybody. Don't even trip. You got this, Demond. Yeah, he's got right, he, a hey, good call, man. Good call. <laughs> but you see how quickly I jumped on that? He didn't really, I don't think he meant to assist I me don't like think that. He did either. But you see, it was there, so I jumped on it. That's how you jump on an assist. I saw that alley oop and I went and took it. He said, Kobe, Jordan, and then he paused, and that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Q. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, when they put him on the wall, the, the debate in the barbershop. Yeah. Don't forget Q. That's right. It's, it's Kobe, Jordan, Q, LeBron, who you got? <laughs> yeah. Let's get some more calls in. Let's get who it got up next. Uh, let's go to Raider Mike in Colorado. Raider Mike, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Chilling. Q, hey, man. Uh, I'm still worn out from that draft, man. Uh, I was out there for that weekend, bro. First off, uh, I want to say happy birthday to my wife. Uh, today's her birthday. Nice. Uh, happy birthday, baby. Um, but yeah, man, it was it was so much fun out there, bro. The experience was just it was lovely. There was uh, you know there was no violence. There was nothing, man. Everybody was out there. Didn't matter what fan base you were a part of. Obviously, Raider Nation is the most important. But man, it was so much fun, man. Um, the only thing was, but my feet was hurting. <laughs> it was so much walking um, that it was just like, man, my, my feet are killing me. But man, overall though, it was a great experience. Um, a lot of Raider Nation man was out there representing. Um, like I said, man, one big family. That's all it was, bro. One big family. Everybody was getting along. Uh, there was a lot to do, unlimited uh, things to do. Um, but, yeah, I just want to shout, shout you guys out, man. I thought I was going to see y'all out there, man, but I understand y'all were busy. But, man, it was just a, it was just a wonderful experience. I hope they bring it back to, to Vegas uh, more often uh, because, man, there, there's no better place to do the draft than, than in Vegas. So, but yeah, man, it was a it was a wonderful time, great experience. Uh, met met some great friends out there, um, and just 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 had a wonderful, positive time, bro. And, and the draft picks, bro. I, 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 I'm not gonna sit here and act like I know them. I don't. I watched a film on them, and I'm just excited with what we have going on and, and uh, where where we can go from here. So I just want to shout you guys out, man. Yeah. And shout out Vegas, Oakland, L.A everything man and go Raiders there you go hey great call man thank you appreciate you checking in from Colorado right there Raider Mike let's go ahead and go out and get one more call in before we get to Ted and Wynn from the Athletic and talk about one of these uh, draft picks in uh, in, uh, in in my guy Parham from Memphis we're going to talk real quick to Fargo Raider what's on your mind welcome to the show good afternoon Q and DeMond thank you for taking my call Q it sounds like you was out there in Nashville making up your own rules, man. That's all I got to do, man. Hey, look, as long as it's, <laughs> hey, man, look, only person that's got to believe it is me. Hey, yes, sir. What do, what, do, uh, what do they say? If you walk in the place and act like you belong, then you belong. People think you belong. That's you that's damn right. right. You damn. And I've been yes, doing sir. that. Hey, you fake it till you make it, brother. I've been doing that my whole yes, life. Sir. Oh yeah, and don't bring sand to the beach. That's right. Never that. Never <laughs> no, that, brother. No, sir. No, I was gonna say. <laughs> Um, I think that was a great a great point you were touching on earlier with the uh, uh, dynamic with Andre James and then now Parham coming in. I know we got a couple of other guys that could fill the center position and another dude that could do both guard and center as well. I think actually what Ziegler 
And uh, what McZigo was looking at was that uh, we did not retain Nick Martin. And Nick Martin actually was a guy who could fill that role, who, yep. who was a vet that played center yep. and guard. I think that's what we're looking for. Um, James showed that he was improving throughout the season, and this is under fire. So I can only imagine that they'll continue to polish his skills, and he should be in the running. I mean, if you get that contract, man, you better be in the running to be the starter. But I think that they're not overlooking the fact that, you know, we don't want to be out of center and it be some guy that we bring in off the practice squad. They're trying to create healthy competition at the guard and center position so that no matter what, they can flex guys in on the interior of the line. But I know the bookends, the tack, the right tackles, what everybody's been focusing in on, mm-hmm. but with good coming back and Simpson has already been playing, I think that's a healthy competition we got on the interior of the line. I thank you guys for taking my call. And Demond, don't worry about it, man. You built like a tank. You just gotta bully people to the paint. You guys have a good afternoon. <laughs> he ain't got enough. That's what I'm talking about. He ain't got enough paint to cover that tank, man. He don't. He don't know about that. He don't even know about that life. But it's okay. We we. Hey, that's why we love Demond though. He's a good spirit. And by the way, before we take a quick break, where are you gonna be later on today? You're gonna be representing for ESPN Las Vegas, but at a great location and part of your show that he's doing. Now that he's doing the fight game on 12:30 a.m. The game. Uh, he's actually getting a, a opportunities to get out in the streets. And this, you're gonna be out hanging out with a fighter. Yes, UFC bantamweight champion, the Funk Master Al. Jermaine Sterling, undisputed bantamweight champion. I'm going to be out at Finley Toyota down in the Auto Mall in Henderson. We'll do anything to sell you a car, as they say. Might leave with one. So if you want to come by, see me and the Funkmaster. Please do from five to seven. There it is, boom, right there. It's another alley oop. That's see, see how I do. I give you assists all day. I'm like J Kid, man. I'm dropping dimes. All you gotta do is put them in the in the hoop. That's all you gotta do. Coming up next, Ted Nguyen from the Athletic. He'll join the show to talk about scheme fit as it pertains to Dylan Parham. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. We came out the gates on fire. Today's show. Threw out there the question with the draft officially in the books. Is there an area of the team, a position of the team or two that you still have concerns about? You saw the team address a lot of areas in free agency. You saw them go out there and get two of each in the draft. Two O-linemen, two D-linemen, and two running backs. So is there an area that you're still concerned about? We'd love to hear from you, 69187, keyword r That is the Sam and Ash text line. Also, whenever we have a guest on the show, if you want to ask them a question yourselves, you could always hit us up at 69187, keyword r Speaking of guests, right now we have one of our favorite guys, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic, at FB underscore Film Analysis on Twitter. And Ted, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I saw the piece that you put out on The Athletic about scheme fit and and the 10 guys that you thought had really good uh, scheme fit for their teams that they got drafted by. And number 10 was Dylan Parham, the third round pick out of Memphis, the offensive lineman who's very versatile. That's one of the words that we've been saying a whole lot about, uh, not only the regime, but Dylan, that he's versatile, versatile, versatile. But you were talking about the diverse run scheme as far as the fit that he has there on that offensive line. Uh, what stood out to you most about uh, Dylan when you're checking him out on film? Yeah, so Dante Scarnecki as a Patriots, the former Patriots offensive line coach who worked with Josh McDaniels forever in New England. Uh, he was recently on the Athletics football show with Robert Mays, and he said the three things that he prioritized in offensive linemen are uh, toughness, intelligence, and athleticism. So they try to look for those three traits uh, when they scout offensive linemen. And, and when I was watching Dylan Parham, you know, I just thought he fit that to a T. Um, as far as toughness, you know, he's a little undersized, uh, which is why they think that he's going to move to center, but he can gain some weight. 
Um, but, you know, he's not a guy that's going to pancake you uh, on every play, but he doesn't get knocked back. He doesn't get bull rushed. And, he, you know, he, he blocks through the whistle. And when we're talking about intelligence, uh, you know, it, it's hard to tell intelligence without actually talking to a player. But when you watch his film, you know, he, he, he picks up blitzes. He picks up stunts really smoothly. You can see his eyes are always in the right place. Uh, he did a lot of different things in Memphis, and he was able to do those things well. And uh, when McDaniels with the Patriots, the run scheme was one of the most diverse in the NFL. They ran a ton of different concepts. So obviously you have to have a high football IQ to play off the linemen for him. And I, I think this guy has that. And as far as athleticism, this guy, uh, he, he, he tested really well. You can see how fluidly he moved in space. Uh, so I just think he's a really great fit for what um, this McDaniel and this new regime is looking for when, when it comes to offensive linemen. You know, and he hasn't been an offensive lineman for a long time. I mean, he, he arrived at Memphis. He was a blocking tight end. I say that in, in air quotes because he had to put on a lot of weight to transition to that offensive line and now being drafted by the, the Raiders in the third round. How much better do you think? I mean, how high do you feel like his ceiling is knowing that he's still new at this offensive line thing? Yeah, no, I think he's a really high ceiling. Like you said, he, he had to put on a lot of weight. But luckily for him, I think a lot of his weight was in his lower body, which is where it, it matters most for a blocker. Uh, but when I watched him, um, you know, all I could think about was Shaq Mason. I, you know, Shaq Mason was a guard, mm-hmm. um, and I think Parham will play center, but there's so many similarities with the way they play. They're so physical. They're an anchor. Um, so I, I just really like Parham. I, I think he could... Uh, compete for a starting spot right away. Talking all things Dylan Parham right now, the third-round draft pick out of Memphis with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man demond has got one for you. Yeah, I know that every player is different when it comes to adjusting to playing a new position, but if maybe if he played a little center, do you think he would be the day-one starter or it would just come over time? Uh, I, I think he's going to compete with Andre James. I, I think Andre James got better throughout the season. Um, but I just don't think he played well enough for this new regime to come in and just hand him a starting spot. Um, I also think that Parham has potential to be to add a lot more physicality to the inside of his offensive line. I think they really need that. Uh, so I, I think it's going to depend what happens in training camp, but I really think it's going to be a true competition between those two guys. No, I, I feel like uh, you're, you're spot on, and everything I've done as far as research on him, I've been hearing that a lot of people, think that his best position is center. Now, he plays guard. He has that versatility, which is something that this new regime really is looking for. But, you know, I keep going back, Ted, to what you were saying about intelligence. And I feel like maybe with this complex scheme that that's why that center position may be better for him because he has to be able to be that anchor of that offensive line and really direct the rest of the O-linemen out there. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be tough because, you know, for a rookie center to be able to come in and – you know, learn NFL blitzes, learn those pressures, and be on the same page as Derek Carr, who's you know very intelligent in his own right. It's, it's going to be a tough transition, but if he proves that he can handle that type of mental load um, in training camp, I think physically, you know, I just really like what he brings to the table. What about Alex Leatherwood? What does he bring to this mix as far as the competition? Because myself and DeMond were both saying uh, as the show was going on, there's one guy that's got a spot that we know for sure. That's Colton Miller. I feel like all the other four spots are up for grabs. But how do you think Alex Leatherwood plays into the mix? Yeah, you know, the the more um, we've gone through this offseason and they they just haven't added a right tackle, I actually, you know, at first I thought there was no chance that they'll – um, put him back at tackle, and they'll just keep him at guard where he, you know, he did get better throughout the season. 
Um, but, you know, the more we've gone through this offseason and they just haven't really added uh, a veteran presence there, I think they might try him out at, at tackle again. And, uh, you know, I was watching um, I was watching film with a former offensive line coach and a uh, former NFL offensive line coach, and uh, I'll have an article of, um, with his thoughts on this Raiders offensive line coming out, you know, either this week or next week on the Athletic. Uh, but he, he actually really liked uh, Alex Leatherwood and the progress he made, and, he, you know, he thought that, uh, Leatherwood will have a chance to kick back out that tackle. I know he's been working with Duke Mannyweather. Duke said that they fixed some things with his set. So, uh, you know, I think he might get a, a little shot at this. And if he ends up proving he could be a, st- a starting right tackle, obviously that's going to be a huge, huge, huge boost to his offensive line. Yeah, we've been talking about the offensive line here, but the Raiders also drafted two running backs. So Zeus White out of Georgia, what kind of running back is he? What's his style? Because will it be a duplicate of Josh Jacobs or more of a Kenyon Drake with the style of running back that he is? I think he's closer to Josh Jacobs. He's a north and south runner. I really like his vision a lot. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to fool around and dance dance around in the backfield. Um, he's really physical. He's going to try to run guys over. Uh, so I, I see him, you know, as a guy that could be a, a starting, you know, one, a first down, second down type of running back. Uh, I think his receiving ability, there's some potential there. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't see him as a satellite back like Kenyon Drake. Um, but I think he's a guy that they're looking to replace Josh Jacobs after this year because I just don't see them extending him or, or paying a running back a ton of money. I just don't think the Patriots have done that. Um, in the past, unless they, they feel like you have a true superstar at the position. But I think just with Josh Jacobs and his injury history, they're probably looking at Zeus as a potential replacement for him next year. Talking right now with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Getting back to the offensive line real quick, Denzel Good tore his ACL in the first game of the regular season against the Baltimore Ravens, so he missed the whole 2021 season. Uh, I asked about Alex Leatherwood, him getting back into the mix. Where do you think Denzel Good's best position on that O-line is? I think the great thing about Denzel Good is he's just so versatile. Um, you know, you can move him around, and he he can play anywhere. I think right guard is probably his best spot, but if he needs to play left guard, I think he could be really good there too. Um, you know, we saw that he he went in and played right tackle without much any practice when um, there were some injuries on the offensive line. It was a very small sample size, but he, he looked pretty good at right tackle too. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to keep him there um, permanently, but I mean it's an interesting option if he can play uh, right tackle. So uh, yeah, I think Denzel's good best position is probably a right guard, but you know he, I think he might end up starting at left guard. Before we get this wrapped up, getting back to Dylan Parham, the third round draft pick out of Memphis, uh, wanted to th- get your thoughts on what he needed to do the most to grow. I mean, we we know if he was a a polished uh, product, he'd be you know a first round draft pick. He was a third round draft pick. What does he need to to really work on the most to to succeed on the next level? I, I think he just needs to add some weight and. Um, yeah, I think he just needs to add some weight. I think the the main thing was that he was playing guard um, in college, and he would have to make a transition to center because um, because of his weight. But I think if he adds some weight and some power, I mean, he has potential to be a, a guard too. And obviously, just, just getting experience and learning an NFL offense, like you mentioned, he doesn't have a ton of experience playing offensive line. Uh, so I think that might be scary for some teams too. Um, but you just, I, I really like his potential. Did you see anything from the seventh-round draft pick, Thayer Mumford? Uh, they got him out of Ohio State, and seventh-round draft picks, I never hold a whole lot of weight over them because, I mean, they're seventh-round draft picks. But, you know, you can get some quality players in, in the seventh round if you do your scouting right. Do you see anything from Mumford that you like? 
I'll be honest. I, I watched a lot of Ohio State, but I was paying attention to the receivers more than the tackle. Uh, <laughs> I know that's uh, right. <laughs> but, yeah, but there's some people that thought he was going to move to guard, but it, it seemed like in a press conference they, they referred to him as a tackle. So mm-hmm. I think he'll get a chance to at least uh, compete on the outside. I mean, he could be some depth. He could be, you know, a, a backup or, you know, if, if he makes a team. I mean, a seventh round draft pick, you got a lot of work to do mm-hmm. to make the team in, in general. Well, I really wanted to get your thoughts on on Parham. And uh, again, that piece that you put out there with Scheme Fit, I thought that was fantastic. And uh, to see Dylan's name there at number 10, I thought that that was, uh, that was a good sign right there. So do you feel like that the Raiders got the overall value, like really good value getting him in round three? Yeah, you know, I think. Uh... A lot of people I trust with offensive line evaluation had him in the third round, and you know people like his potential, but obviously just the weight and the the lack of experience uh, kind of uh, knock, knock him down. And obviously the, uh, the positional value of interior linemen aren't super high. You know you don't see those guys going in the first two rounds too often. So I, I think the third round was a really good spot for him. There you go. I like it. I like what I hear. Well, Ted, what do you got coming out on the Athletic or maybe your YouTube channel that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, I, I might do uh, I might do a YouTube video on uh, the couple defensive tackles that they drafted later, okay. and I have an article uh, watching some film with a former offensive line coach that the that Raider Nation might be familiar with, and he'll give his thoughts on the state of the, the Raiders' offensive line and and where they think they can he, they can go. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, we'll definitely be on the lookout for that, man. Uh, your your film breakdown is fantastic, and obviously your work on the athletic is great as well. Uh, we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon, my man. Thanks for me on. All right, no doubt about it. There he goes, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. Uh, great film breakdown. You can find him on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. And uh, sounds like some pretty good stuff on, on, on Dylan Parham, right? I mean, I've been doing a lot of research, and, you know, without even prompting Ted on anything, what's the first thing he said? Oh, yeah, I think he's going to compete at the center position. First thing he said. Yeah, that's the shock to me because when he also said he compared him to Shaq Mason, I also saw some of those comparisons out mm-hmm. there. So in my head, I'm thinking, all right, he's gonna he's got potential to be a Pro Bowl guard because Mason was a fourth round pick. Right. So you know, if that's who you're comparing him to, right. a mid round pick that can go on to be a starter on a Super Bowl caliber team. That's good there. One of the biggest things that stand out to me, and then we'll take a break and get back to your calls and texts at 702-365-9200 and Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. One of the biggest things that stood out to me is what Ted said about toughness, intelligence, and athleticism. Dante Skarnecki, a very a good, very good offensive line coach, used to be with the Patriots. Uh, he said that. I saw that the other day when, uh, when he had said that on, on that piece on The Athletic. And so it's something that's been sticking in my mind. And the thing about Parham, and I haven't talked to him on one-on-one, but being in the Raiders facility when he was talking to Eddie Pascal, when he was talking to the media, he's got the intelligence. I think that goes a long way when you know that this offensive line scheme and the offensive general under Josh McDaniels is going to be complex. Just put that in your memory bank. I don't know how all this is going to shake out, but keep that. If you don't want to put it in your memory, put it in your back pocket. Hold on to it for later. 2.45 is the time. We'll come back. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. What's up, Raider Nation? This is uh, Hall of Famer Tim Brown. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Hall of Famer Tim Brown, and you listen to Raider Nation 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got a ton of text messages that we'll get to. Sam and Ash text line is always wide open like some old school TV antennas. 69187 keyword R&R. Also, the Raider Nation listener line 702-365-9200. Question I threw out there with the draft officially in the books. Is there an area of the team or position or two that you still have concerns about. Of course, didn't know that that was going to lead to seeing a picture of Trayvon Mullen in the doctor. 
saying he's about to have another surgery, something that unfortunately for him, he just can't shake, been injured a lot, has to go under the knife quite a bit. I say it all the time. People hate it. Best ability is availability. It's just facts. That's what it is. So we want to hear from you. We thank Ted Nguyen for joining us for The Athletic from the last segment, breaking down Dylan Parham and what his expectations are for him. But let's go out to the Rare Nation listener line, talk to our guy Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, Q. How you doing, man? I, I'm glad everything's going good with you guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, y'all doing a fantastic job. Hey, um, I, I'm with you, man. I, I'm not sold on uh, Trayvon Mullen as a, as a starting corner in this league, but, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But to me, he grabs too much. He don't. He don't. He don't depend on his technique and, and gets beat a lot. I mean, I think one game he against the Chargers, he he had like six flags or uh, six flags for pass interference, um, and he's always hurt. I, I think the biggest the biggest thing that we haven't done yet is a linebacker. I know we got we got these three other guys, but we need to get a stud linebacker. We haven't had a, a great linebacker since Rod Martin and, and uh, Beaker. And maybe Beaker, I, I don't know where he put him at, but I mean, we need a stud linebacker, and we keep passing on these guys. Why? That's a good question. Thank you for the call. Kirk Morrison and Thomas Howard, I think we're pretty sticking good. Uh, those are two guys that I was a big fan of. Uh, the, the law firm of Morrison and Howard back out there in the Coliseum, and they were fun to watch. You knew that there was going to be a turnover created, and somebody was going to take it to the house. They used to actually compete against each other. Who was going to have more uh, interceptions and who was going to have more touchdowns? They were, all, they, were, they, were, they were fantastic, in my opinion. Uh, when the Raiders drafted Rolando McClain, they drafted him with the expectations that they were going to improve that position. They never did, and they never went back to it. <laughs> they just really haven't. Now, they went out and made the trade for Denzel Perryman, which is good. They had to do that. Because all of a sudden they their 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 roster, so many guys got banged up during the 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 training camp and preseason last year, and Denzel Perryman ended up being great, turned into a Pro Bowler. They have addressed it a little bit in free agency. They did go and get a guy in Divine Diablo last year that is a safety converted to a linebacker, and I think, and this is just me, I think he's going to be a pretty damn good player. He showed some signs last season. Yes, he's one of those players where people say the linebacker position it's lacking. Mm-hmm. Where Perryman. Pro Bowler last season, I yep. think he's only going to continue to get better. Right, and I think that people are sleeping on Diablo a little bit. I think so too. I think so too. I like I like Divine Diablo a lot. I think he has a potential to be really good. Again, potential we all know is that means that you're not there yet. You got to continue to work. But from what we saw from him, I mean, I guess it doesn't take a whole lot to put Corey Littleton on the bench last year. But he did. <laughs> he put Corey Littleton on the bench. I'm not trying to be ugly to him, but I mean, the, the reality was Corey Littleton wasn't good. Just wasn't good. The Raiders tried to address the uh, linebacking position in free agency, and and with Littleton and and uh, now I forget his Brokowski. other. Yeah, yeah, they just didn't get it done. They just weren't able to. But they're they're, they're attempting to. It's just not going out and drafting a guy in the first round like a lot of us would like to see. Just simple simple facts. Uh, let's get one more quick call in. How about Mitch in New Jersey? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? True. How you doing? I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. As you see, Paul, I'm glad. It is a pretty good answer. Less than three months, grandpa at that time. Um, all I say is, one of the two quarterbacks we competing for Derek Carr. I mean, just for the backup, I think you should have three quarterbacks on the team for Derek Carr. He's going to have a good year this year. What do you think? And thanks for taking my call. All right, thank you for the call, my man. Talk about the Raiders in the quarterback position. Uh, they did go out there and get an undrafted free agent as well from Cal. Uh, that's a guy that ABA Ivan Davis was high on, Chase Garbers out of Cal. They do have Carr, obviously, as a starter. They have Nick Mullins, who's the backup quarterback. And I'm going to just throw it out there right now. I'm going to tell you on, on May 3rd who's going to be in that quarterback room. It'll be Carr, Mullins, and maybe Gabers. Or Garbers, excuse me. Might be maybe Garbers. 
But Garrett Gilbert is terrible. Garrett Gilbert is awful. Garrett Gilbert hasn't been good since he was in high school when he was all of a sudden the big hype, the great hype that he was going to be in Texas high school football. He was going to be the dude. He ain't been the dude since. I ain't, again, not trying to be disrespectful. I don't know, man. No, this is just, no. This is a- he's a camp body. He's a camp arm. I, I told you before. I told you at the top of the show, I keep it, we're going to keep it real. We're not gonna, everything's not rainbows and puppy dogs, man. If you're not that good, you're not that good. Garrett Gilbert's not that good. Simple. But you didn't say that. I've been watching him stink up the joint for I almost I have been the- watching him stink up the joint for a long time. He was in Texas. <laughs> That's why I know how, how big the hype was on him. He was going to be the greatest thing since Vince Young. He was until he wasn't. <laughs> you go do the research. You're the guy on the Google. You know how to do it. This is one of those, like, I don't know a whole lot about Dylan Parham because I didn't study. I didn't study Memphis football. But there's one thing I do know, Texas high school football and Texas college football. I know that really well, regardless if I wanted to or not. I learned that. You telling me he wasn't lighting it up at Lake Travis? No, he was. That's what I said. He ain't been he ain't been worth the salt since high school. He was the hype in high school. Anyone coming out of Lake Travis, aka uh Baker Mayfield, aka uh Drew Brees, aka I mean you you want me to keep going? I mean the Lake Travis, they have it. We hear the stories on every professional broadcast, right? You know those two went to high school together at Lake Travis. We get it. But he ain't been worth the salt since then. Just keep it real. Go ahead. I, look, look at the, the numbers up there that have nothing. There's no numbers on there that impress you outside of Lake Travis. Nope, just 0 2 as a and starting games. Exactly. 0 2. Right, exactly. Look what he did in college. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm not trying to drag my guy. Hopefully he's not driving down 215 right now, like, damn, this dude hates me. It's not that. It's just not he's not very good. He is a camp arm. Well, nobody can get it done at Texas. So I mean, he. I mean, he didn't he even was, stay there. I know because nobody can get it done in Texas. <laughs> he could. He, did, even, he made a business decision leaving Texas. Probably. Okay, and then and then what did he do at SMU? He put up some numbers. Three thousand yards. That that three thousand yards years ago was something. Three thousand yards in, in in that conference is not anything. Just saying. Okay, I did look at his last season. Twenty-one touchdowns, seven interceptions. It's something that is. That's a little disappointing. Right. That's all you put up in college. Right. Especially in those in those conferences. Just saying. Not trying to drag Garrett Gilbert, but he will not be in the mix for the backup quarterback position. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. You got Nick Mullins on the one-year deal, which is ideal. He's a good quality backup. He'll probably want to go somewhere else after the season and have an opportunity to maybe be a starter somewhere or you know be a higher-paid backup, unless he just likes the job that he has with the Raiders. But Garbers could possibly have a, uh, an opportunity. Garrett Gilbert does not. 2.57 is the time. When we come back, we'll be talking to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, but he still does work for him. This is Rare Nation Radio 920.